0: communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder.
1: Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. And today, if you want to know if you can morally, ethically sell and still be authentic, and be successful than today's podcast is for you. Joining me today is Deb brown Mayer, and she is a relationship catalyst who helps business owners and freelancers change their sales approach by shifting their perspective of sales from convincing a prospect to buy to being of service to them. Deb's combination of coaching, creative listening, and supportive guidance enables her clients to gain a completely new perspective on their sales process and conversations, which leads to an increase in sales and business growth success. Welcome to the show, Deb. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you for that kind intro. (laughs) It was well written, Deb. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, audience, I got to give you a warning. We don't do too many episodes that have a lot of religious elements in it, though you guys all know that I am a Christian. Today's episode, though, we are talking about selling like Jesus. So if you're not big into Jesus or religion or any of those things, Please feel free to <laughs> bypass this episode. I will not be offended, but I am looking forward to today's conversation. Deb, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So
2: I I guess The Cell Like Jesus is something recent. I just published the book, The End of 2019, So I wasn't always out there known as someone who combines my faith with business, which in some ways was a lot easier. But what happened in 2012 is a friend of mine challenged me that I really should write a book. And I didn't feel like I had anything to bring to the table that was unique when it comes to sales. Because let's face it, there are a lot of sales gurus out there Mm. who are really good at their craft. They have great systems for selling. And I studied all of them. And I honestly, I've used pieces from many of them. So if I was going to write a book about sales, it really had to be unique. And Mm. what came, what popped into my mind, and I really believe it was the Holy Spirit talking to me, was... How to Sell Like Jesus. And as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, that's going to be controversial. And (laughs) yep, it's been a journey. You notice I said in 2012 and the book didn't get finished till 2019. Uh, So I had to walk through a journey. I think one of the misconceptions about Christians, and, and we're probably to blame for it, is that we're always talking about Jesus, and everything is the Bible, and everything is scripture. And in reality, if you look at the example of Christ, he, he came pre-New Testament, right? So the whole New Testament was written about him after mm-hmm. he did his thing. So if you look at what he did and how he did it, which we get that information from the scriptures, Mm -hmm. you find that what he did was connect well with people. He asked a lot of questions. He listened. He met people where they were at. Yes. He didn't try to convince people. There were times he walked away from people. Mm -hmm. So many of the stereotypes
1: Mm -hmm.
2: about Christianity, really don't apply to Jesus when you look at the man, the person, and what he did and how he did it. So Mm -hmm. that's what I did as it pertains to sales. So if Jesus was a salesman, how would he do it? What would he do that would change the dynamic of the interaction with people so that they felt empowered to make good decisions for themselves. Yeah. Not let me convince you that what I have is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right.
1: <laughs> so true. So true. So let's also talk a little bit about your business experience. So how did you, how did you come to be in sales and, and get to this point where you felt like you were ready to write about it?
2: Yeah. So that was a number of years. I got, I got, four-year college degree that literally didn't prepare me to do any practical work so i ended up in first in customer service roles and then sales roles and i was actually good at sales and i think it's because i really care about people and i Mm -hmm. want to help people and at its heart the sales role is really about helping people bridge a gap Yes. They have a need, a want, a desire, a problem they're trying to solve. And if my product or service or combination of both can get them to a better place, then yay, they win and I win. So I gravitated towards sales. But at the same time, I really hated the whole high pressure atmosphere that many sales techniques still Use The press hard third copy is yours. The price goes up on Monday. It's not that blatant, but it's still the same kind of manipulation to try Mm -hmm. to get you to act from a position of emotion, which is, it's really controlling you in a way that is not right. And especially, you know, as a Christian, manipulation is the same as witchcraft. It is not something I want to be engaged in. And at a gut level, I always bristled at being asked to use those kinds of phrases and that technique to try to close sales. So early on, I had this inherent conflict and I sold for other people, other companies, but I also had my own sales training consultancy in the 90s, which... When I did my own thing, I did not have to use any of the mani- manipulation tactics, mm-hmm. and I loved that. But then, one of my clients—it was the, the, the turn of the century, so 1998-ish—I got wooed into the high-tech world, into software sales, mm-hmm. and went to actually went to work as a sales director for one of my clients. And that started me on a journey to work for three different companies over a 10-year period, one of which was a startup that created the first commercial anti-spyware product. So selling bleeding edge kind of concepts and products, uh, which later got commoditized and I lost interest in because that's a completely different kind of sale. So I all I'd say the last 3 years I was in industry I felt like the Lord was saying I want you to start your coaching business again. And you know when you're in business for yourself so I'm talking to you entrepreneurs small business owners nobody gives you vacation pay. If you're sick you go to work anyway. You know. So coming out of the, I'll just call it golden handcuffs, where I got the three weeks vacation pay and sick pay and guaranteed.
1: Security. Every,
2: every other week's salary. Yeah. And so I dragged my feet, but I finally said yes to the call, January 2008. And I started doing sales coaching again. Mm-hmm. So... Again, back in my own environment where I had control over how I sold, Mm -hmm. I I was actually working with a business coach who said, you need to write a book. Mm -hmm. And that's where that story picks up.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing is, is that God brings us on interesting journeys. And there are times we do fight the calls that God gives us. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, God wins, though, because he knows us. That's right. (laughs)
2: And, and the good news is if you're one of those people who has heard that whisper, but you haven't said yes to it yet, it's okay because God understands yes. and he makes up the time. So where we drag our feet, he knows how to accelerate to get us where we were supposed to be anyway. So <laughs> you're okay. Just do say yes sooner rather than later because you'll feel better.
1: <laughs> yes, it is draining fighting what God wants you to do. Most yes. definitely is. Been there a few times. I've learned I don't fight them so much anymore. It's just like, okay. I don't even want to get into this battle cuz I know you're going to win anyway, God, so. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is is like it's not this a battle, but the thing is is I know everything God has for me is good. Yes. It's It's just it can be scary. Oh, yeah, it can be scary because you're unsure. Like we're in that situation now. God's brought us to a new place, a new path. And we're in the process. So we're in the middle of it. And, uh, yeah, it's an interesting journey of everyday trusting God when it feels like sometimes everything's been stripped away. And you're like, oh, seriously, God, like, hmm, you know, it's
2: that being able to trust the unseen and the unknown and sometimes i'm better at it than others sometimes <laughs> i go you. picking and screaming but i agree whenever i do say yes things go amazingly wonderfully better
1: than i ever thought yeah awesome so let's switch gears here because I know you've you've come prepared to talk about what selling like Jesus is, and so on. You gave us a little hint, but I'm looking forward to the the more. Yes.
2: so sales when whenever you approach selling, there are three cornerstones that have to work together. The first is our mindset, our attitude what's driving what we do. And our beliefs and our values are part of that. So the mindset has to be in congruence with the strategy, the action plan, the things that need to be done because you know with sales, they don't just happen. There are behaviors that we have to initiate And depending on your business, those behaviors are going to be different. And we have to be doing enough of them to get the results that we need. So the the behaviors or the action plans are the second pillar. The third is our technique, our strategy. What, What we say, how we say it, and that happens in relationships. So our mindset and our action plans, we can we can work on those internally or with people within the organization that we are working with. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the actual sales conversation, you are in a dynamic back and forth dialogue. Yeah. And that's where we have a chance to change the perception of what sales is. Yes. Unfortunately, because we've all had a bad experience with sales, <laughs> and we remember those bad experiences yeah. because they were usually pretty horrible. We come with our guard when yes. we're about to purchase something. Let's face it, we're vulnerable. We have a need. We we have a problem we're trying to solve that makes us feel unsure. We know we need to do something, but there are choices out there. And even when we've done our research, we still don't know what we don't know. So, mm-hmm. to some
1: extent, And that's the place that kills us, isn't it?
2: It Always. So we have to rely to, to some extent on what we're being told, what's shared by that salesperson. And that's a risk. It's always a risk. Yeah. So if you are selling, first of all, understand that the buyer is feeling vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And from your own perspective, you've got your own vulnerabilities. And this is where that mindset piece is so critical. You have payroll to make or you have bills to pay. So you're looking to make money. But if your eyes are on making the sale Mm -hmm. instead of, on the person and solving their problem now it's very easy to to live out the behaviors that manipulate right so both of us are vulnerable i as the salesperson have to put all of my fears even facts of life on the shelf Yes. So that I can put you first for this conversation. So you're the most important thing, and if I take care of you, that says Christian principle. God's going to take care of me. If I meet your needs, He'll meet my needs. Yeah. So that yeah. that's the value, the belief that supports me being able to come into a sales call, not trying to get your money but trying to connect with you so that I can help both of us figure out, is this the right thing? Yeah. And if not, that's okay. If not, I might be able to refer you to someone. If not, it may, it may not be no forever. It's just no for now because of timing. Yes. So if I'm focusing on building the relationship and doing what's right for you, even if you don't buy in the moment, when you do need something, who are you going to call? You're going to call me because I've built that trust. Yes. So that's a little bit of the shift, description of the shift that we can orchestrate by the way that we talk with people, the way that we think about the wholesale sales call.
1: Love it. Love it. You know, Deb, one of the things that uh, I think is just golden and what you said was the fact that when you go into it with a heart, right, of kindness, caring, trusting that God's going to take care of your needs, whether you get that sale or not. And I think that's been so liberating for me, Mm -hmm. is the fact that I can trust that God's got me, whether I make the sale or not, God's got me. So I don't have to any pressure and and to be honest I've turned business down because it wasn't right for me. Oh yeah I'm glad you brought that
2: up because if we take business that's not good for us oh my goodness all you have to do is do that once and you're not going to do it again because yeah, the, the aggravation the stress the cost it's never worth it so it's so much better to just say not really a good fit. Yeah. Let me help you find someone else.
1: Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that no amount of money pays for when you're miserable. Correct. <laughs> well put. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember I had one potential client once and and I can't share too many details, but I had to turn this person down. And this person was in a, a fairly high Position of authority Damn. really could have made my life miserable. And I, but I knew I couldn't write the book. The things he wanted to talk about morally and ethically, the things he supported, I could not support. Mm-hmm. And I knew I could not write that book. I also knew that this person to work with was going to try and undercut me and be demanding and. He was already showing that behavior before he even became my client. And I'm like, okay, God, you got to get me out of this. You got to get me out of this. And only you can get me out of this because I'm like, Mm -hmm. if I say the wrong thing, uh, you know, this this person's going to make my life miserable. And he had the power to make my life miserable. Mm -hmm. Even if he wasn't my client, it was one of those kind of situations. And I was like, okay, God. And I remember God like downloaded to me exactly what I needed to say to this person. And so good. I kept like I, I kept my demeanor very calm, mm-hmm. right? Like he started to get a little bit upset. I just said, "You know what? I understand how you're feeling." I said, "But I said, "You want the best person to write this book for you, don't you?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Not the best person." You know? Yeah. I know my limitations. Yeah. Right? And I just said to him, I said, "I would not be able to write a book." That you would like and be able to own and call your own, it just wouldn't turn out. And so God was really good. He he um he got me out of that situation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a thank you, Jesus moment. (laughs) Yeah. So Deb, we're going to switch gears here, and I'm going to ask you the question that I ask every single on every single author who has been on the show. And that is, what is the good, the bad, and the ugly of publishing your book? Okay, so
2: we'll start with hmm, the bad. (laughs) There are a lot of choices out there, Mm -hmm. a lot of choices. There's traditional publishing, there's do everything yourself, and then there's a hybrid which I've heard called white label publishing. It depends on how much of a do-it-yourselfer you are. Mm -hmm. So if you want to dig into cover design and layout and all of those technical kinds of things, go for it. That's not what I wanted to do, but it comes with a cost, right? Yeah. there is a cost to getting your your work published, um, I'm and I'm going to say there really wasn't an ugly. It was, it was that balance of needing the help, and it cost more than I would have liked it to, mm-hmm. but I was committed to get this book on the market. Be- I was driven because there has never been thank thank god because he really helped me write the book there's nothing else out there like this yeah and and that was important to me so the other difficulty with a book is no one sells it for you and <laughs> if if you've written a book you know what i'm talking about and there are there there's a there's no shortage of advice on what you should do and how you should spend money to have other people help you market your book. Yeah so again it's kind of it's it's a hard road to navigate and when you're doing it for the first time, which this was my first book, I never aspired to write it, but here we are there's so much, like I said earlier, there's so much I didn't know. And, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And I realized after the fact it was a total waste of money. So I guess my advice to people would be if you've just published your book and you haven't spent a lot of money on marketing yet, do take the time to find a mentor to help you get good advice. That's my my caution. The best part of having written something is that it has the potential to get into millions of people's hands. And in the whole marketing piece of authorship, that's where I've done a journey of, oh let me work really hard. Let me do everything everybody told me I should do. And, oh, this is not working. And I'm not getting the results I wish I was getting. It took me a couple of years before I went, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. And I'm going to do what you tell me I need to do. I'm going to show up the places you tell me I need to show up. And I'll spend money when I really have peace, that it's a direction that you've guided me to and is going to yield the right fruit. I've also realized that although... The millions is a potential. It can be tens or hundreds that impact mightily. We never know. That's right. We never know. And I'm so pleased, excited, firm, Kim, that I've had people, a handful, you know, not dozens, but I've had a handful of people reach out to me total strangers after reading my book to tell me thank you and how much it's helped them and how it helped shift their perspective. And that's all the reward I
1: need. Mm. Wow. Well, we're if you don't know audience, these episodes get live streamed while being recorded on both LinkedIn, Facebook and YouTube. So if you want to see them as they're being done, then join me on LinkedIn, Word Ninja Kim, Facebook, the RTI publishing page, and on YouTube, Author to Authority. Sorry, my door just startled me. These are the things that happen on a podcast. Joining us today is Bruce Captain Kirk. He's making some lovely comments. Love your heart, ladies. So thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Really appreciate you, you leaving us a comment on the show that, that blesses our heart today. (laughs) But getting back to what you're talking in terms of the marketing, you know, this is a question that I get asked all the time as a publisher. And right now we don't offer marketing services, though that is in the, in the, in the playbook. Here's the thing about marketing is, first of all, you have to know what you're doing. Second law, a lot of marketing, especially if you're working with marketing firms, agencies, anyone who's a true marketer is probably going to need two to three months of testing to really determine your target market. So you're not going to see results right away when you work with a marketing thing. Understand that like that's when you work with a marketing firm, their job, is to create a marketing system that works to sell your products but they have to determine your customer they have to determine their interest like this is a process and the only way that process works is if they spend money and they test Mm -hmm. and so that's the frustrating part about working with with marketing is the fact that you've got to take this time you've got to take those 90 days you've got to put that money out For them to test, for them to determine what the right marketing course is for you and your, and your book, you know? And so those things get really, um, hard because you're not seeing any ROI. Now, here's the thing. You as an author can market your book yourself. And there's a lot of ways that you can get your book out there without having to go through a marketing agency, without paying for ads. You know, if you download my author to authority book right now, it's on Amazon, we're working on being able to sell it outside of Amazon. But if you go to Amazon, author to authority, volume one, you have to put in volume one, or you have to put in author to authority, Kim, for some reason, if you just put author to authority, my book doesn't show up. So author to authority, volume one, or author to authority, Kim. And get the book, because in the book I share a lot of different ways that you can you can get your book out there without having to put out a lot of time. Well, okay. Time, yes. Time, yes. Money, right? Not so much. Maybe little bits. Mm -hmm. Little bits that any entrepreneur can afford. Deb, so as we're getting ready to close up here, what I would love for you to do is to share one final thought with us. Mm -hmm. And then how can the audience connect with you?
2: so one final thought is based on what i hear so many entrepreneurs and small business people say and that's this phrase sales is a necessary evil Mm. stop saying that cursing yourself when you say that it's not evil when you do it in a godly positive helpful way it's not it's what lets you continue to do what you love to do so Mm -hmm. without sales you can't deliver what your product or service is so yeah can be something that brings joy and you can be successful at it so here's what i'll offer a half hour no cost no selling conversation, you and me, just send me an email, and we'll set up a time. You can talk about anything as it pertains to your business or sales, you can ask questions, whatever. So take advantage of it by writing to deb at debbrownsales.com.
1: And we'll have that email in the show notes. Thank you so much, Deb. And if you've enjoyed today's episode and you are watching this on YouTube, I will get this right one day. But either to this side or to this side, you're going to see a nice little thumbnail about the 400, not the 400th episode. Let me get this one straight here. About episode number 427. Sorry, got the wrong episode there. 427, where I interview Larry Levine and Daryl Amy. And one of the things that we talk about is our book writing journey, but also how to sell from the heart. So mm-hmm. make sure that you check that out on YouTube. If you're on your podcast app, just scan back. Ah, no, no six or seven episodes, and you will find that. Deb, thank you so much for being on the show. So this has been Deb brown Mayer and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now